My name is Sarah, and I got involved with Vote Save America way back in 2018 when it first launched. My name is Nancy, and I first got involved in VSA in 2018. Ever since then, Vote Save America has been the best part of my political engagement. Anytime the election anxiety starts to feel overwhelming, I remind myself that my anxiety relief program donation is fueling grassroots organizations around the country. And VSA has the Political Action Finder, a handy website I've used to find phone banks, knowing that I'm helping to win critical house seats. In fact, I already signed up to volunteer with the Political Action Finder on the VSA website and helped replace disgraced former volleyball star George Santos. So if you're someone who doesn't want to wake up on November 6th this year and regret not doing more, and I'm pretty sure you are, go to votesaveamerica.com to get started, and I'll see you at a phone bank soon. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan with you from studios here in Deal. Hello. Uh, later today, Alyssa Mastromonica joins us in a post-election hysteria spectacular. We're going to talk about the election and the pink wave that gave the House back to Democrats. It was a pink wave. It was it was a it was a lady wave. It was a lady wave. A lady wave. A lady wave sounds like some sort of thing that you can buy at Babeland. You know? What is a Babeland? Oh my goodness, we'll talk offline. <laughs> I also talked with Emily's List President Stephanie Shriok about the female candidates who made history November 6th and the future stars of the party. And finally, there wouldn't be an episode of Hysteria without the Hills Will Dying. We got to get to some housekeeping before we get to the big election conversation that I'm sure guys are all having in your respective homes and cars and uh, that we're going to be having here. Uh, first, uh, we are going to have a very special listener-driven Thanksgiving episode of Hysteria coming up at the end of the month. And part of that is that we want to we want to hear the hills that you'll die on. Hills giving. It's going to be hills giving. Hills giving. A hill you die on. It's something that doesn't really matter all that much, but something you feel very, very strongly about regardless. If you have a submission for Hills Giving, you can record, take your phone and record a like 30 second voice memo because I that's my that's my attention span is 30 seconds. Record a 30 second voice memo and you can send the file to hysteria at crooked dot com. That's our email address. Uh, if you send something lurid or obscene, we will forward it around and make fun of you personally. So please just respect the rules of Hills Giving. This is a solemn holiday. Yeah, I know. I was like, Hills Giving got 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 intense. No, it's I'm like a, thirty second memo. Thirty. Has, it has to be unimportant. It has. It cannot be important, or I will find you. Oh. I will find you. No. Uh, but yeah, if you have a hill you want to die on, uh, something that's close to your heart. Just some, just speak from your heart, like it's a short therapy session that we could read on the air. Totally. Or we could just play it. If, if or play it. Yeah, yeah, we yeah could that'd play be it fun. On the air. Hear your voices because you hear ours all the time. Um, also, we're going to have a big dude you asked. We've been getting emails for quite some time and we're putting together a, a listener mailbag. Part there's, of the a, there's a backlog of the dudes who are asking. There's so many dudes. Every week, Erin. So I'm like, what about the dudes about who are asking? What about These the dudes? poor dudes are asking and we are not answering. <laughs> I will have my answers prepared before I hear any of the questions for next week. <laughs> Very excited. <laughs> That's great. Um, also, for our purposes, you're a dude if you're a lady. It's it's fine. It's just a, it's a it's questions that you have for us that you'd like to hear us answer. 
uh, on the episode. You don't have, you. A- anyone can be a dude. Anyone can a be dude, a dude. Dude is genderless, is the point. There's, anyone can yeah, be a dude. Yeah, dude, you asked. Dude is a, not a gendered term on the Hysteria podcast. No. Yeah. No. Um, but we have to get into uh, the news of the election. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. So I'm just going to go through a few races that like were super exciting. Deb Haaland and Sharice Davids became the first Native American women elected to Congress. Sharice Davids, one of the candidates that we highlighted here on Hysteria. Yeah, very cool. She is an MMA fighter who is a uh, she's also a lesbian. So we have a lesbian Native American MMA fighter that is about to go to Congress from Kansas, yes. which is incredible. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, of course, won. Uh, Abby Finkenauer in Iowa's first also won. These two women will become the youngest women ever elected to Congress. They're both under 30, which, okay, ladies, we get it. You're awesome. Ugh. Yeah. What 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 have you been doing? What did you do yesterday? I'm not under 30. <laughs> um, we also have uh, Ayanna Presley. Veronica Escobar and Sylvia Garcia, Texas's first two Latina Congresswomen. That is really great, but also sad. Why are why are they the first two Latinas from Texas? Well, there's a lot of firsts, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of firsts on this list, and you're like, oh, it's 2018. They're firsts. At least they're happening. Um, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, uh, Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, became the first Muslim women in Congress, which yes. is very exciting. Uh, Lou Leon Guerrero, the first woman governor of Guam. Now I'm going to go through and Johanna Hayes, the former oh, yeah. National Teacher of the Year, who was the first Black woman elected to Congress from Connecticut. Yeah, and there's really cute footage of her receiving an award from President Obama. She's a very compelling, um, compelling person, and will be a great Congresswoman. So here are the people who flipped their districts. I'm just going to rattle through it because it sounds like a reverse version of "We Didn't Start the Fire," mm-hmm, where it's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, hey, we put the fire out. Here's, yeah. a, here's a list of women that came in, tried to save the day." Uh, Jennifer Wexton in Virginia's 10th, Christina Houlihan in Pennsylvania's 6th. Also, I want to give a shout out to um, my boyfriend's dad and I believe his mom. They were both out canvassing for uh, people in Pennsylvania, which is like super great. Like people were really excited on the ground there. Um, Elaine Luria in Virginia's 2nd. I want you to read these faster. You made the We Didn't Start the Fire reference and it's like just not lyrical enough for me. Kendra Horn, Donna Shalala, Ann Kirkpatrick, Mickey Sherrill, Cindy Axney, Lizney, Panel Fletcher, Haley Stevens, Abigail Spanberger, unseating Dave Brett. Leave gusto, Aaron. Come on now. Mary Scanlon, Angie Craig, Susan Watt. No, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Susan Wilde, Lauren Underwood, another uh, candidate we highlighted in Illinois' 14th. And Debbie McCarcel Powell in Florida's 26th, plus Jackie Rosen is a bright spot in the Senate. She flipped the seat in Nevada, which is exciting. Yeah, uh, pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good night for ladies. It was a great night for ladies. And not a great night for Florida, though. Not a great night for Florida. I like that in this outline it says Kieran's negativity time. Excuse me, guys. <laughs> Guys, guys, come on. Come now we've on. gotten to a part of the show called Kieran's Negativity Time. It's just called Poopy Diaper. <laughs> no, no, my diaper's my diaper's good. I'm I you to, to my credit, you were freaking out at the beginning of this thing over text chain. I was, you know, you were freaking out. You're like, it's all over. And I was like, I didn't say it's all over. No, you were just like, but you were you were it was intense. We can go. We can go back and look at the documents, let's, Aaron. Let's go ahead and let's. <laughs> Let's look at the documents. Let's look at the text chain. Look, um, I was just hedging. I was doing some emotional hedging. Yeah. And and like you put, were on a roll. You were on the roller coaster and I had a little distance from the roller coaster. And I was like, hey, chin up, chin up, motherfuckers. That's what I said on the text chain. Well, the thing that got me in a bad mood was Andrew Gillum 
falling behind in Florida. Sure. And one of the things that we were just kind of chatting about this morning, you and I, was that like Florida doesn't seem to get the attention that other states it's, get. Which is very wild to me because it has the third largest number of electoral college votes, which I know is not necessarily relevant in the midterms, but it tells you something about the lo- the amount of population in Florida. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, the, it's the third largest state in terms of population. And all of these elections are so fucking close. Mm-hmm. Like I, as a person who's from South Florida, which is very liberal, like, and Florida is always like, oh, put it in the ocean. Oh, the Everglades. Oh, you guys suck. Yeah. Which like I get, but it's also enormous and like, and like relatively diverse. It's not like, it's not like it's all red and it's just going to be red. Mm-hmm. Like when I lived there, it was like Obama won for two terms, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and all of these elections are massively close. It's mm-hmm. like Hillary was... And you don't see celebrities down there yeah. knocking on doors. I mean, have you ever thought that maybe people just don't want to go to Florida? The, Miami is a great city. You're being very <laughs> rude. You are from Wisconsin. People don't want to go to the fucking cheese state, lady. Oh, uh, Judd Apatow was canvassing for Tony Evers in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Actually, a governor. But uh, that was a... That was a rude, no, I love the words like, Judd Apatow is boring. I just said it. I just said it. He's into cheese uh, and not... Will Smith really likes Miami. He had a song about it. Yeah. He's a big fan. A lot of people have homes down there. I don't mind Florida. You know? I think Miami is a really lovely city. I've had a great time visiting it. I've um, driven. I've been into Tampa. I've spent time like, you know, Look around. at this backpedaling. Now. Or, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> the reason I said the thing about How nobody wanting to you? go to Florida is because I was being a glib and also be trolling you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that raises an important point because like it was close. It was night. very, very and close. And it's always close. It's always close. I mean, it's we're talking about a percentage point, which is, you know, if you think about who's because who's going out to vote is my question. Like, you know, if people are talking about five hour lines to wait to vote like and you don't get a day off to vote. Yeah, that's like garbage. Like you don't get a day off and there's a five hour line. OK, so. Who's going to be the least likely not to go and vote? Who's going to not have that time? Mm-hmm. People you know? with obligations, people who uh, maybe work low income jobs, people who have child care responsibilities, uh, people who have disabilities, people who are in any way disenfranchised. It's a lot more difficult for them to go to vote. It's, it's a weird. I, I mean, that I'm going to preempt a hill and I'd say I want a day off for voting. I think that the voting hill the should thing be a is, national holiday. But hills that you die on are supposed to be kind of dumb. I think that there are things are you that are getting technical. Yeah. Are you getting technical with it's me about my hills show. right now? My <laughs> fucking rules. My rules, Karen. <laughs> I am the dictator. <laughs> I declare myself president for life of hysteria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, no, uh, you can't have a you can't have an important hill. You must have a shitty it's hill. It's got to be stupid. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I think that that the voting the day off for Election Day is something that's really important. And it's something that we learned last night is that that Democrats were fighting, they, you know, it was a, a female led wave. And, you know, the, the old which joke, is amazing, yeah, like, which, which is, is not which, you know, which is not to like really take away from the fact that it's amazing that one hundred and seventeen women are going to be serving in the legislature. Right. Like, that's a real that's a real boost and a boon to the country and the nation. And and hopefully they will have the ability to kind of come together and mm-hmm. be able to actualize some positive change in 92, the year of the woman, which was after Anita Hill, that same thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just hope that the trend continues in a positive way. And it's not just these blips in history. I hope right. It's- well, I think the way for it to continue in a, in a positive way is for Democrats to focus on expanding voting rights and making it easier for people to vote. Like we had to win the gerrymander dance off backwards and in heels last night. 
we won the popular vote for uh, more nine million more in Democrats. case people don't know what the gerrymander dance it's a is. thing i invented just yeah. now do you no, want it's like the, the the house of representatives has been gerrymandered to within an inch of its life and we still were able to pick up more than 20 seats, enough seats for us to take the House of Representatives. So when I say backwards and in heels, it's it's a it's a reference to that old like Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire thing. And women women led the Democratic charge and we led the charge uphill and we led the charge in a way that the, everything was stacked against us. And we still came out on top. But it took an incredible amount of energy. People who listen to a hysteria are so engaged, like people who tweeted us, people who interact with us on social or media send messages. They're yeah. so engaged. I, we're, I'm getting like dozens of pictures of people canvassing and people excited about voting. And it's exhausting to do this. Like we shouldn't have to put this much energy forward into into being represented, you know. And I think that focusing on expanding voting rights, Florida expanded voting rights last night. So that's a good thing that came yeah, out of Florida. Yeah, with the felons. Yeah. P- focusing on expanding voting rights for people, for all people. A.K.A. people. Yeah. A.K.A. human AKA beings. A.K.A. human beings. American citizens. A.K.A. Uh, thinking people. Yeah. Uh, sentient, sentient beings. Yes. yes. Uh, but I think that focusing on that is some, is the only way for us to not constantly be on this hamster wheel of like, trying to keep our heads above water and saving every election is going to feel like saving democracy if we're continually behind the eight ball when it comes to gerrymandered districts and uh, districts that overrepresent uh, Republicans in a way that is that is unfair to uh, who actually lives there. So and do you want to give a little bit of like a, you know, your quick like plot point, you know, the the gerrymandering that was going on, what that meant, and like three easy steps for somebody who's not familiar with gerrymandering. Well, no, I don't. Want, <laughs> I have not prepped for that. But one I thing, like, I, the one three thing easy I, steps of gerrymandering. <laughs> one thing I will say is that well, gerrymander a district. Do you know that it with was Aaron Ryan? It was based on the word gerrymander is because some politician with Jerry in his name made a district that looked like a salamander. So it's like a portmanteau. It's weird. Anyway. Um, well, what happens is like 2020 is a redistricting year, just as 2010 was. And that's kind of why we've been fucked since 2010 is because they redistricted then. Um, there are also like some cases that are currently matriculating their way through the courts that might have effects on gerrymandering. But, you know, in some cases like Pennsylvania, um, Democrats benefited from the fact that Jerry, like court was like, nah, you can't you can't do that. You can't have that. You can't have that. So I think what is really important is for people to pay attention to what's going on in their states. And last night we saw that people voted locally and for statewide offices in a, sure. in a way that that showed that they were paying attention and they cared. And the issue basically is when you when you redistrict, you can actually kind of draw the lines so that so that it can favor one party or the other mm-hmm. based on where the population is living. Mm-hmm. So that can kind of have an impact in terms of how the vote will turn out and mm-hmm. who gets represented, even with the same population, mm-hmm. which is just feels like. Yeah, it's, the, it's the, gross. Yeah. The Rubik, the Rubik's Cube of of representing a population. In yeah. A way that's kind I of mean, in, in, in Wisconsin, my home state, they used a computer. To I've come never up with, heard somebody talk so much about Wisconsin. You know what? Somebody's got to fucking represent, you know, uh-huh. somebody's got to represent who doesn't suck. We've got, I got I'm a fighting. nickel for every time she said Look, in Wisconsin, I'm fighting against. Scott Walker, one of the worst people in America. Paul Ryan, 
who is besmirching my good name. I'm I'm fighting against. Well, I guess Tammy Baldwin besmirching? is besmirching. Besmirching. Can you please use all words from the 1800s <laughs> yes. for the rest of for the rest of this rant sure. about Wisconsin? Sure. No, we've got Paul Ryan. We've got you know. And then n- meanwhile, our neighboring state, Minnesota. I grew up like an hour and a half from the Twin Cities, so I got all of the TV stations from Minneapolis, St. Paul. My brother and my sister both, aka the big leagues. Yeah, the big leagues. Um, but Minnesota always was doing such cool shit. I mean, with the exception of Michelle Bachman and like Jesse Ventura. They had Paul Wellstone, who was a hero of mine when I was a kid. They have uh, like a great liberal tradition and uh, they, they continue to elect really exciting progressives. And meanwhile, in Wisconsin, we've got like Scott Walker gutting education and attacking teachers unions in a way that frankly feels a little sexist. It like feels good to uh, to stand up and be like, not everyone from Wisconsin is a is a John Birch Society shithead. In Florida, we have Rick Scott, who my mother calls Voldemort. <laughs> he looks like a penis. Well, he looks like Voldemort. He's your new senator. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty upset about that. Well, at least he'll be out of Florida. He'll be away from your family. He'll be in D.C. Yeah, he was never that close, though, because he doesn't really come south, you know? That's good. Yeah, at least for you guys. And we're back. Today, Hysteria is delighted to welcome Stephanie Shriak. She's the president of EMILY's List. If you're not familiar, EMILY's List is an organization that supports Democratic pro-choice female candidates. And unsurprisingly, Stephanie has a lot to say about what happened last night. Hey, Stephanie, how are you? I'm great. That's, I'm great. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm so excited. I was actually thinking this morning that the last time we spoke in a studio into microphones with uh, headphones on was maybe around a year ago. And we were talking about how on the morning after the 2016 election, women woke up pissed. And rather than just stewing in their anger, uh, they decided to do something about it. That's and, right. And I remember talking to you about it and you were talking about how after a couple of weeks, you realized that you were seeing a full on phenomenon. And today, uh, the day after the 2018 election, we're seeing the fruits of that. So how do you feel about yesterday? I am thrilled. I am thrilled. Uh, you know, here at Emily's List, we have, as you can imagine, I have very tired staff. Um, some of them are in the office because they've been up all night long, and lots of them are around the country still uh, working with outstanding races that haven't been called yet. Uh, but we, you know, we really you know, set out a goal. Uh, we wanted the Democrats to take back the majority in the House. We looked at the entire map. We had all these women coming toward us uh, that wanted to run, and we targeted it out because we wanted to do everything we could to get those 23 seats uh, for the Democratic majority. And I am proud to say this morning that we are we have 19 pickups that are women in the U.S. House, 19 uh, and six still that haven't been called yet. So we're we're getting there. (laughs) We're getting to that magic 20. That's just women. Some good men won, too. I've always said some good men were going to win. But these um, these women were just they're just fantastic. And it's it's up and down the ballot, um, as you saw. We have four new um, governors um, that are coming in, and some in some pretty amazing places. Nobody thought that there was going to be a serious governor's race for the Democrats in Kansas, and now we've got a Democratic woman coming in to be governor in Kansas. Laura Kelly did not run a flashy campaign, but she had uh, a lot of support from women 
like her. It has just been driven, uh, and I think this will play out once we actually see the data of who voted and how those votes came in, but it was really driven, as you just said, by women voters who were supporting her, the same women voters who came out in big numbers in Johnson County, which is the big suburban, exurban county outside of Kansas City, Kansas, uh, where Sharice Davids also won and picked up that House seat. Uh, that was really driven by women voters. We saw it going into the primary, uh, and it just kept on going. And that's that's something that you know, we saw across the country, uh, and I do believe we're going to see uh, in years to come. Women voters continue to move toward good, strong Democratic uh, candidates, particularly Democratic women candidates, and I don't think that's going to slow down. Yeah, I think another thing that's really interesting that happened yesterday is that we're starting to see candidates win who look like the voting block of Democratic yes. voters. Um, I wanted to move to Massachusetts and talk a little bit about yeah. Ayanna Presley, who I don't think she, anybody thought she was in danger last night. It, her, right. her biggest challenge was in the primary. But I remember the first time I encountered Ayanna Presley. It was at an Emily's List event, I want to say four or five years ago. And you, yeah. uh, y- your organization had her speak. And I remember back then she was a city council member in Boston. She had been the first right. black woman elected to city council in Boston. And I was so impressed with her. And that's, I think, something that people who know what Emily's List is might not grasp is that Emily's List kind of works all the way down the ballot. And so Ayanna was somebody that you had picked out and supported since she was working on a local level. Um, I was just wondering last night as I was as I was thinking about Ayanna, as as I do, who are the future Ayannas that Emily's List is working with? What are some local races and some local politicians that you're really excited about after last night? Oh, my God, that is such a good question. I was just I, I was thinking through uh, I, I remember that event because we had given uh, Ayanna our our annual Gabrielle Giffords Rising Star Award. Uh, and the first ever Gabrielle Giffords Rising Star winner at Emily's List was Stacey Abrams. Wow. Who, as, as you know, is in a very tight race uh, for governor in Georgia. Uh, we believe that that, that race uh, is going to continue. Uh, there's a lot of votes that need to be counted. She is extraordinary. I mean, it's awesome. And so you're right. We have been. We worked with Stacey Abrams when she was in the legislature. We we endorsed uh, Ayanna for her city council race and have been working with her for for years since. And so proud of her victory last night. Uh, and we we have already won 259 uh, state and local races, and we've got a lot that still haven't been called around the country. Uh, legislative candidates, some city council candidates, some county commissioner candidates. Uh, that are really, truly going to be rising stars at the local level. And I'm not even sure I can highlight any particular rising stars because they're so, they're so good and they're so diverse uh, and really, um, really proud of, of the work that they, they've already accomplished. Uh, so we've got, you know, some state with some statewide what we kind of call the tier B races like secretary of state uh, have come up. There's a, a great woman that I, this is such a random role. And only in the West would you have this job. There's a land commissioner out in New Mexico. It's a big, big deal. And we were able to elect a Democratic woman in that particular race who I think um, after Michelle Lujan Grisham serves eight 
fabulous years as governor, uh, this woman could be the next the next one coming in. So we've got a long pipeline coming up. That's really exciting. Actually, just thinking about how many, you know, kind of proto Stacey Abrams there are kind of in the system already working their way up right now that we might not know, we might not have heard about, but in two years, okay. in three years and four years and eight years, we might not ever be able to forget them, uh, which is no. Super that's such a good point. And you know, I um, I just I was in um, I was in Michigan last Friday, and had the great honor of traveling with Gretchen Whitmer, New our, our now future governor of Michigan. Uh, and we were on, you know, we were on the bus travel. She did set day, not just she. The ticket did seventy seven stops in seven days in Michigan. That's that's how you win, uh, and. And Jocelyn Benson, who is running for Secretary of State and, and won and will be the next Secretary of State, was also um, on the bus. And even watching Gretchen Whitmer, who is running for the most important job in Michigan, take time to be working with Jocelyn Benson and helping each other continue to rise up and lead. That's the power of this network, too. And And like I said, this is another one that you know, after eight fabulous years of Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, watch out. Folks like Jocelyn Benson are coming as well. That's really exciting. So I'm going to take a pivot from our our happiness uh, over last night to some more difficult yeah. questions. Um, yeah. Well, one of the things that, you know, people were noticing last night in Texas specifically was that the racial breakdown uh, when it came to voting for uh, for Senate for Beto O'Rourke or Ted Cruz saw white women favoring Ted Cruz. I think 59 percent uh, white men favored Ted Cruz at a, at a much larger proportion. At a much larger. Right. I can only just make that like at a much larger yeah. level. Right. But but despite, yes. you know, even even just giving up white men as a lost cause in this specific race, um, why do you think it is that in in a lot of races, white women still seem to favor candidates that maybe support more regressive policies or tend to shy away from the kind of young upstart uh, progressive candidates? Yeah. And I and I think, you know, I never really buy exit polls because they were really wrong two years ago about where women landed. But um, I mean, but there are a lot of white women, obviously, who are who are voting Republican. And I'll be curious to see what the actual breakdown is once we get the voter data back into the voter files in Texas and around the country, uh, because I do believe we we will see one of the largest gender gaps ever because more um, more women, particularly white women, voted Democratic. That being said, there are still lots and lots and lots of um, of white women, in particular, who vote Republican. And and the truth is, you know, partisanship is very powerful. And and breaking people out of their partisan ways uh, is a challenge, and it's something that we have a chance with. Uh, with women, it's gotten very hard with men. I don't give up. We're going to keep on working on that and making a case for every American to vote for a good progressive Democratic candidate. You know, but, we, you, but when you're living in a in a society where you're ever you know you're living in a neighborhood where everybody's Republican, you're going to church where everybody's talking about Republican, uh, and and these you know and that just really holds you together. Uh, and we're trying to pull those women out of that environment and say, wait a second, think about the larger opportunities for you and for your daughters and your family. Uh, and it's a real, it, it can be a struggle. You know, not all women are the, are the same, obviously. Um, 
and we have more and more work to do on that. I also think, you know, women women are raised in this misogynistic society as well. We we can't forget that. We sort of think, oh, it's just a it's a male problem, but. But if you're if you're grown up in a culture, which is what we have, where you have a certain you know you have a certain role, and and your husband or your father or your brother uh, is doing and saying the things that Donald Trump says, you don't want to be against your husband and against your father and against your brother, and you've lived in this your entire you're stewed in it your entire life. It's hard to break out of it. That's why this culture change that we're going through right now is so important. And it is for those women in particular, it is the most important for, uh, because they, you know, they have really gotten caught into this culture and we have to help open up, um, sort of open up their eyes. And I think we will do that, but it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. And, uh, and a lot of them suffer immensely for it. Yeah. I mean, and and on that note, you know, in the Senate, the Senate picture was never going to be great for Democrats. I think we had some kind of chasing windmills uh, (laughs) aspirations that maybe everything could go perfect, but it didn't go perfect. Uh, Joe Manchin won, which is great for him. Heidkamp lost, though, and so did Joe Donnelly. And Donnelly and Heidkamp voted against confirming Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, and Manchin voted for his confirmation. Do you think that Kavanaugh had an impact on those wins and losses in the Senate? And uh, do you think that uh, moving forward, that's something that people are going to incorporate into the way that they talk about sexual assault and the Me Too movement? Yeah, I would say, you know, I tracked the, you know, the polling, particularly after the Kavanaugh hearings. And what I saw uh, was a what I kind of called the Republican sugar high about that vote. So for about a week after the vote happened, uh, Republican voters were very motivated to, to, to support, you know, those who voted um, for Kavanaugh. And, and we saw that. But then we saw it drop off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that, that the voters uh, really factored in Kavanaugh on the, on the Republican side. I will say that I think for a lot of Democratic women voters, uh, I, I was it was like remember the Alamo, like remember Kavanaugh. Folks were really angry, and I think it did drive some turnout on our side, uh, particularly back into those suburban districts. But of course, West Virginia, North Dakota, Montana, there, there, there's not there there aren't that many suburbs. Uh, I don't know if there are any. In fact, mm-hmm. suburbs in, in those states, and so that made it a little bit a little bit challenging. I think you know those states that went for Donald Trump by double digits, which is you know there were five, and it looks like right now we're we're going to lose three of them, um, which is Indiana, North Dakota, and it looks like Missouri. That Donald Trump still is very popular in all five of those states. Uh, he tr- is able to drive out his supporters. That's what he focused on. Uh, he he couldn't do anything else because he wasn't going to help the House. He, everything he did, in fact, in those rallies in Montana and Missouri and Indiana at the end, uh, had a negative impact for the Republicans in the House seats. Uh, but that's what he can do is he can gin up his base and that fight and this is it hurts my soul to say this everything about his fear mongering around immigration uh successfully scares his base to vote and we saw very high turnout uh, among his 
his base in those states. And that, to me, was a bigger problem than what ended up with the Supreme Court in Kavanaugh. Uh, so I, that's sort of my broader analysis of, of what happened in those states. Mm-hmm. I have one more question for you. I know that punditry, I, I want to bang my head into a desk as I'm even thinking this question out in my head. No, the pundits are going to say the 2020 campaign starts today. Ugh. Oh, I know. I just <laughs> literally walked down the hallway and heard it on, on cable news. I was like, come on. Yeah, I know. Right away. I know. I know. But we can't help it. We, we can't help it, I right? Know. It's like the, but it does. it's just so juicy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, but it does start today. And I was wondering what you thought about how Democratic energy this morning, right at this moment, will translate as a as a kind of kickstart to 2020. Are you optimistic about the energy that we have going into 2020 from where you're standing right now? Um, And what do you think we should be focusing on? I am absolutely optimistic about the energy of of Democrats going into 2020. I have said this since the Women's March in January of 17. That energy that we all saw, that we were part of, where millions and millions of women and, yes, good men who marched with us across this country to start activating, was never going to slow down. And it hasn't slowed down. It just keeps growing and expanding, and they're organizing, and they're getting better organized. And I believe that is going to take it. It's going to go to a whole nother level in the next six to nine months. We are building organization. And when I say we, I mean the grassroots are building organization. Virginia is a perfect example. If they had a test run in 2017, they picked up all those seats in the state legislature. They elected a Democratic governor. And last night they delivered three congressional seats. That was because there was so much energy by Democrats on the ground led by women, supporting women uh, to get that done. I think this is a great position for Democrats to be in. I'm sure we will have some some good inter-party challenges as we go through a primary. Uh, but that's okay, because I think all of this uh, drives more and more energy and voters and new folks into this process. And I think we're, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I know we got a big fight. I'm not taking it for granted. This is going to be hard. Women showed the fuck up yesterday, which is really, yes, really did. exciting. Stephanie Shriak, president of Emily's List, thank you so much for joining me. I'm sure we'll be talking more between now and 2020. <laughs> you bet we will. We you, Absolutely. There's more hysteria coming up. I am here with Alyssa Mastromonaco in the, well, I'm not physically here with Alyssa Mastromonaco, but she's in New York and I'm looking at her on a screen. Hi, Alyssa. Hi. And Kieran Deal's here with me in LA. Hi, hi, hi. And we're having a cross country uh, coven meeting after last night's female wave. Alyssa is wearing her coven sweatshirt. Um, I'm just going to rattle off some uh, first last night. So it was a mixed bag for Democrats. Didn't take the Senate couple governor races that we were watching pretty closely we didn't didn't take uh stacy abrams is down but there might be a recount in georgia but here's what did happen for women uh, 19 seats that flipped were flipped by women uh we elected our first two muslim women to congress we elected the first two native american women to congress alexandria ocasio cortez and abby finkenauer are the youngest women ever elected to congress both both are under 30 iana presley became massachusetts first black congresswoman johanna hayes a former national teacher of the year is now the first black woman elected to congress from connecticut texas elected its first two latina congresswomen the first female governor of guam was elected last night 
a lot more things happened. Alyssa, I bet you're stoked. I want to hear how you're feeling today. I mean, Erin, have we not been saying when women run, women win? We have been. We saying have that. been. That's actually a very hard sentence to say, and I practiced it. When women <laughs> run, women win. And, you know, I think that the problem with last night, like all the angst that people are feeling this morning and all the hand wringing, is just like everyone's allowed to have their feelings. And when you think about it, like how many races were you invested in emotionally that had nothing to do with where you live? Yeah, quite a few. Right? So like I woke up this morning and I said, God, you know, I'm like stressed about Stacey Abrams and I feel, I mean, can we also just say our girl, Heidi Heitkamp, Claire McCaskill, they did not make it across the finish line, but we are so proud that they took that vote on Kavanaugh. Yeah, I mean, and and McCaskill's concession speech talking about how Missouri drives her crazy, but she loves it made me, I, I felt Agreed. that deeply resonate with me. That's how I feel about this whole country. Agree. you guys... Did you guys think in, in terms of like Hyde Camp and then um, Donnelly and Manchin, do you think that their vote on Kavanaugh affected the outcome of the election? So the thing that stresses me out a little bit, and I hope that Democrats don't take some deranged lesson from this, that like, you know, Manchin wins and he right. voted for yeah. Kavanaugh and all of the others have lost, except for Tester, who is still, you know, clinging to 73% of Missoula, only 73% of Missoula is in. And so that may actually work out okay for him. But, you know, the thing that I thought last week was, it doesn't matter if you're with Trump, it only matters if Trump is with you. That's what I felt. And that it wouldn't mm -hmm. matter for Manchin in the long run, because Trump was in West Virginia campaigning against him last week. But, you know, I mean, the facts are the facts. So I just hope that nobody thinks that they need to become like a Trump sympathizer to keep their seat. And then we lose courageous people in the Senate. Yeah. I mean, this is something I thought this morning. I felt good waking up partly because I'm from Wisconsin and Scott Walker lost. And I think Can we talk about that motherfucker. Oh, my God, Alyssa. You know, I'm okay. a badger badger class of 98. Oh, yeah, that's right. I always forget that because you're so cool. And he killed. What are you guys talking uh, about? <laughs> I'm a badger. Cheese. Curds. Uh, trees. I, mm, what? Uh, <laughs> University Packer. of Wisconsin, political science, 1998. And he decimated the UW system. He did. He did. He dismantled uh, departments that were internationally renowned. He cut money from uh, Wisconsin had still has, but had much better public schools. I come mm -hmm. from a family with a lot of teachers. Mm -hmm. He attacked the teachers unions. Being a teacher in Wisconsin used to be a solidly middle class job where you could work hard your whole life, provide quality education to the next generation and 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 live not like lavishly, but you could live fairly comfortably and you could have benefits when you retired. And he he just he just kind of hosed that. And he was very hostile to women's rights, um, abortion clinics and Planned Parenthood centers. He was uh, he was just generally a, a dick. And now he's out of there. And I feel really I did feel really good about that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was a win. And the, you know what? Another thing I love about it, his wife is named Tonette. And he lost to a man named Tony. So I, wonder... <laughs> I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. His wife is named Tonette. And they. I guess he eats two ham sandwiches a day or something. Oh, like I saw that. that. was like a campaign ad. It's like, great. Yeah. You kill pigs, dude. <laughs> I, I am from Florida. So I was bummed about Andrew Gillum. Mm -hmm. um, but he got very, very close. Which is one thing I don't think people talk about enough in Florida yeah. is that how it's, it's literally, I mean, 1%, which was very, very similar in the 
in the um, the Trump Clinton election. It's and it's so many electoral votes, just like as a state, it's like the third largest one in the country. So, you know, it's interesting because all South Florida is relatively liberal and it's like it feels like it's it feels like it's within grasp and it has gone blue in certain certain elections. Well, so. I felt pretty good this morning when I woke up, told Reverend Al Sharpton, who was on TV, and he's mm-hmm. like, what is wrong with all of you getting to the place we got in Florida with Gillum and having Stacey Abrams where she is right now is a fucking win. He didn't say yeah, fucking. Yeah, sure. It's also, a- also Texas, man. Like totally. Texas is turning. Texas was purple as fuck last night. And Beto didn't win. He did say the F word on TV. Did you I guys see that? I saw that. I missed it. Um, he didn't win, and I know Grace will be upset about that, but Veronica Escobar from Texas is the first Latina elected to Congress from Texas, and Sylvia Garcia was another one. So there are wins in in the yeah. in the House, at least. Just a little shout-out here in New York to Catalina Cruz, the first dreamer to go to the New York State Assembly. <gasps> oh! Mm-hmm. What district? Uh, she's from Jackson Heights. Okay, wow, very cool. <laughs> Um, I was also really excited about, uh, I, I kind of had a schadenfreude feast last night. Um, David Bratt is out of there. Yeah. Unseated by a woman. Uh, that's super exciting. Um, I was delighted to see Jason Lewis lose to Angie Craig in Minnesota's second. Totes. Um, it was, that was pretty exciting. Lauren Underwood in Illinois' 14th. Extremely exciting. And our girl, Kate Brown, Held on to the governor's house. Kate Brown. In Oregon. Kate Brown took it home. Um, we also flipped Maine, I believe, that Maine now has, yes. went from having pa- Paul LePage, who is basically, w- what was his deal? He was like, he was like a, a bad email forward became a person. <laughs> but, but like also the email was sent with a program that your computer can't understand. So it was like garbled. And you're like, I think this is racist. But I don't I don't know what language this is. <laughs> Pretty much Maine in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Kieran, what was your day like yesterday? I know we were like all texting the L.A. crew. Uh, Megan, Grace and I were texting. We were admonishing Megan for getting a red manicure. That is correct. And it's her fault that Donnelly lost because Megan is from Indiana. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, Kieran, where'd you vote? Like, how did your day go? I voted absentee um, weeks ago. Oh, okay, um, that's right. Yeah, for Florida. And like, I, I came over to the studio. I came over to Crooked to like watch some of the results with people, which was which was interesting. I don't know how I feel about the unfolding in general. I might not be an unfolding person. And then I met and then I met up with some friends who were kind of like keeping track of it at a bar here in Los Angeles. How was the scene at the bar? I can't imagine watching election returns at a bar. It it was fine. I mean, it was it was it, it didn't feel as it wasn't like 2016. It wasn't like the election. It wasn't like everyone was glued to the television in the same way. There was kind of like this like check-in kind of mentality on it, mm-hmm. um which was, you know, which was a, a nice way to do it. I think that we were also waiting for West Coast results and not everything yeah. was in. Yeah, I was thinking that yesterday as we were watching it, because our what we were hoping for and a year ago, you know, they're talking about this on Pod Save America's live stream yesterday. A year ago, if you asked people if we could have taken the house, they would have been like, that's ridiculous. And it's interesting that the goalposts moved. And then last night, you know, we were supposed to have taken or held on to the our Senate seats and not lost ground. And really, that was never 
going to happen. And then we were supposed to pick up these uh, governorships in states where we were always kind of behind the eight ball and we came closer than we thought we were going to. But that was probably never going to happen. It felt because we were looking at the house that it was kind of this is very crude, but it felt a little bit more like blue balls than blue wave because we had to like wait and just very, very slowly find out bit by bit when we were what we were winning and how close we were. And, you know, it's it's not as cathartic as like winning one big one. You know, we won like little pieces at a time. And this morning we woke up and it's like, oh, okay, great. That's great. Well, and also so yesterday, just to tell you what was happening in New York in classic Alyssa fashion, I watched the results come in for the first hour and a half with my house call vet, Dr. Q, who came over for a visit. Um, but my favorite part with yesterday morning, my hubs and I went to go vote and who was standing in front of me, but an Obama alumni who had worked for me years ago. And I was like, we're everywhere. Like, it was just so nice. I had not seen her in like five or six years. And there she was with her twins and everyone was going to vote. And the lines were so long, which I was like, you know, it was a pain to stand in the long line. But then I heard people in Atlanta were staying in lines that were like five hours long and mine was an hour long. So I felt like, you know, one, they're better people than I am, but I just felt like very good and everybody was out and like upbeat. And so I felt good. Yeah, I, I felt good. I don't know. Like one thing that I was thinking was like, OK, well, now all we're going to be hearing about is 2020. <laughs> I think you can take you can take a day. Here's what I was thinking about 2020. So like, yes, we do get a day, but only kind of. Um, I think this is the best possible outcome for Democrats and for women, because Alyssa, like you said, when women run, women win. That is a hard sentence. It's hard, oh right? God. It's it like a real so... tongue twister. <laughs> anyway, no, I was I was thinking like this is the perfect outcome because if Democrats had gotten everything that they wanted, we would have done the Obama complacency thing again and been like, peace, I get to not pay attention. But because we only got a taste of, of everything we wanted and we got a taste of like how if we mobilize, we can get a lot of what we want, even against gerrymandering. I think that's perfect. I'm still I got a taste and I'm still hungry. Like, I want more. We always say, you know, anything that's been successful with Democrats has been a grassroots movement for the most part, right? So winning the House is grassroots. I mean, that's the people. That is the true voice of the people. And so I felt really good about that. And like also for all the pontificating and hand wringing on Twitter and on cable, like we don't really have a leader of the party who said what we should expect. So everybody just hoped for everything. It's like on Christmas when your mom's like, don't think you're getting that bike. You're not getting that bike, but you might get other stuff. We were just expecting <laughs> the bike and everything under the tree last <laughs> night. And like it was never going to happen. And, you know, that's why I think it's like a good lesson going into 2020 for how we do need someone to set expectations so that people aren't like, you know, snorting Xanax the morning after. How do you feel about the like the the notion like 1992 was the year of the woman, right? Which was right after like the Anita Hill thing had happened. Like that was called the year of the woman, like four women elected to the Senate, I believe it was or, you know, and this is four. Yeah, it was. Well, it doubled. It yeah. was the first time that it had doubled it like since ever. Um, and then this is there was something a little bittersweet to me about that. Like it's obviously like very galvanizing, but very post um, Dr. Ford a similar galvanization of like of women in office. Is that a trend? Is that a wave? Is there longevity? Um, or are we are we seeing like small bumps that happen after, you know, just like a moment in time when people are galvanized and then it kind of goes away or is business as usual 
Um, I was really struck by that, just by the number of women mm -hmm. and the kind of like, you know, repetition of history in mm -hmm. a way between these two um, hearings and with Kavanaugh versus uh, Clarence Thomas. Yeah, I think that the difference is that the galvanization of women in this case happened, I would argue, even prior to 2016. I think that there were sort of rumblings like as um, like before Trump was even elected, there were sort of rumblings of women being like a little bit pissed. Um, and then once he was elected, I think a lot of women were like, oh, fucking shit. No, this is ridiculous. And um, I, I think that a lot of women felt moved to run. A lot of women felt more moved to plug into politics then. And I think that there have been a series of events that have only served to kind of relight the fire. I think the Kavanaugh event or Kavanaugh was one of them. I think the Me Too uh, kind of watershed moment last fall was another one. I think every single time there's a there's there's some injustice done to women as a whole or individual women. I think that women as a as a voting block, the women who uh, who propelled Democrats to victory last night, I think they were like, OK, yes, that's it. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And so, I mean, I think that I, I'm always wary that we might be repeating history because it does seem like we repeat history a lot because people hate studying history and we seem to learn nothing. But this time, um, Kieran, you have a, an L.A. Times piece open on your computer. Um, it said 117 women were elected last night. And I believe that's the first time more than 100 women have served in the national legislature. So it seems like, you know, it might be little bumps, but it seems like it's getting bigger. I don't know. What do you think? Alyssa? Right. Well, I think that it's, you know, that it's a bit of an equation, right? So more women won than ever before. And so if those women go to Congress and state houses and the Senate and governor's mansions and do a lot of good shit, people are going to keep voting them in. Right. And so I think that, you know, and if those women then who are having success, bring more women along with them, I think that that will, I think that we will have a very wonderful outcome in, if we look back 10 years from now, I think that we will say, you know what, 2018 mattered. Mm -hmm. So, so, and then the other question is like, Emily's list is helping people get elected, right? It's mm -hmm. like helping people get elected, but, uh, but Congress is known for being quite hierarchical. Like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like you come in as a freshman and it's like, you're, you're like the new kid on the block and it's, there's a lot of, um, hierarchy, uh, are there similar resources for these freshman winners who are going to be mm -hmm. coming into the House, who are going to be coming into these um, seats who are new to uh, the system that they have to work in? My guess is that some consortium of the freshmen form some sort of caucus unto themselves. You know, like there was the Tea mm -hmm. Party the cool the other, girl table. The, they're gonna they're gonna make the cool girls table. They may have like a women's caucus. I mean, there is a women's caucus already, but they may do a women's caucus that shows that they're more alike than they are different. You know, for the women, for the Republicans and the Democrats. But I do think that they will find some sort of like block caucus apparatus to sort of make sure that their voices are heard strongly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've I've read a lot about how um, women in the legislature in both chambers are better at compromising or better at working together than than other than, than the other gender that we will not name today. Um, no, I think, I, you know, senators, women, female senators have been historically very good at at working together and helping each other out. And I would hope that there are similar mechanisms in the House. Also, can I just pause for a second and say, like, I OK, a lot of people when we're talking about Nancy Pelosi, new probably future speaker of the house, which is hilarious 
to me how angry that's going to make people. One of the things I love about Nancy Pelosi is I love when she is a cocky, cocky bitch. Yeah. That is like my favorite iteration of Wait, Pelosi. You know, I have a she, name for that. What is it? Okay, so long time ago when I worked in the White House, because she's always been this way, right? And if you're the president, it's she's not always on your side. And so I went to a roller derby once, well, a couple times, and I was going to join the <laughs> roller derby. And my roller derby name was going to be Nasty Pelosi because she just is as nasty as she has to be. So, but that's like a compliment. I'm not, it's not derogatory, but that's like, yeah, she's just, she, when she's just a baller, she's just a baller. Yeah, she and she's also like, I'm excellent. I am excellent at this job. And it's like, you know, I think that Nancy Pelosi is somebody like I my relationship with most Democratic politicians is I try to view what they're doing with uh, a mature amount of like it's not skepticism, but, you know, you want to engage critically with your leaders. I think that's part of being a participant in democracy. And so not everything Nancy Pelosi does is my very favorite thing in the whole world. But I just love how she's like, I am the greatest. I'm wonderful. I'm so I'm so good at this job because like, you know, I think women mostly should get better at admitting when they're excellent at things. And she was excellent. I mean, look, she did what like no other man has done in a long time. She brought the house back, you know? Yeah. Like the Senate is still, you know, under the evil turtles jurisdiction. And, you know, so she should say she's excellent because like you said, a year ago, nobody would have thought this was possible. Yeah. I was getting a lot of like trolley tweets this week about like a red, a red wave. Are we going to have a red wave? And, you know, now that women have taken over, I'm going to go ahead and make a period joke. Do it. Do it. I was okay waiting for that? it. I was going to say the only red wave that happened this week was me getting my period. <laughs> oh, snap. So oh, snap. that's and you know what, guys, get used to it. We've taken over the party. It's going to be all period jokes and Nancy Pelosi battle raps and from tampons, here on out. free tampons. And Free tampons for That's sure. That's what everyone wants to hear. And Alyssa, who's only wearing underwear half the time, it's a whole different thing. <laughs> it's a thing, here, right? It's real yeah. science. Those free bleeds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this is the future liberals want. It's just it's all witchcraft and Pelosi and women under thirty in Congress and cool girl tables and yeah, what a, what a beautiful nightmare. This it's basically of mean is. girls, but with worse clothes. <laughs> hey, I'm wearing the same outfit I wore yesterday. I mean, you're actually very and chic. I'm talking about myself. I only make I statements. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I appreciate that, Alyssa. Coming up, the hills will die on this week. Because Alyssa, this is your first hill I'll die on in a long hysteria. time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Since the very first like couple of episodes before I left. Yes. For for the West. Coast. My original hill I would die on was that I I will die for Miracle Whip over mayonnaise. Um, but <laughs> let's see. Today, the hill I'm gonna die on is that like I'm allowed to feel whatever emotions I want to feel right now. Oh expand on that with respect to like politics or with respect to kind news? of everything I feel like I really don't want anyone to tell me how I should feel or what I should think about the outcome I personally feel that I'm going to take some time to just think that's that's very zen of you mm -hmm. that's very zen of you and I appreciate it Kieran do you have a hill you're going to die on this week I should do you want me to do my you hill? do your hill okay here's a hill I want to die on I want to wear gloves around all the time. 
I've been watching The Haunting of Hill House with my boyfriend. And because it's a boyfriend show, you know, it's one of those things that you're like, I it's just I'm I'm a real. Is it scary? It's scary. There's a lot of jumps. There's a lot of jump scares, which like, yeah, I mean, I find them cheap usually, but they're effective in this. And I can't wait to watch. I I, I don't know. It's it's a good show. I'm almost done. So nobody spoil it for me, please. Um, But there's one character in it named Theo, who's played by this fantastic actress who I've never seen in anything before. But she always wears gloves. Because she's psychic and when she touches people, she can see their thoughts. But she looks so fucking cool in her gloves. And uh, Caroline, our producer over there, we were talking about gloves before we went on this morning. And she was like, you know what I also like? A black fingerless glove. I think that we should just like bring like casual gloves back. I want to wear them. I want to wear like a three quarter sleeve cape jacket and like a little little glove that doesn't go further past my wrist. I want to wear a dress with gloves that are elbow length. I want to wear gloves. You have thought about this as much as you have thought about the election. I have. I've been thinking about it's been all like female politicians. It's been, you know, finally our elected officials look like the Democratic voting bloc. It's been, you know, what what is wrong with white women in Texas? And then it's been gloves. That's been mostly what I've been thinking about. I want to wear gloves. (laughs) Okay, Karen, what's your hill? Um, My hill is, I guess, maybe maybe not. Yeah, not to get too cocky. Do you know what I mean? Like just to like just to I think uh, staying discerning is probably my hill this week. It's like just staying discerning. It's just like, all right. All right. Like, look at it. Like, like, just 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 take a second to be like, OK, OK, let's like look at this thing from all sides like a Rubik's Cube. You guys it's not a very sexy hill. I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys are running like meditation retreats over here. And I'm sitting here freaking out about like, gloves. Melissa's basically like, everybody here <laughs> and I just need to go to Ojai. <laughs> And just yeah, like correct. think for a week and come back and be like, we're good. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, have you when's the last time you recharged your crystals? I don't know what that is. But I have crystals. Don't do mock it. me. I have crystals. <laughs> I think I think Grace has crystals, too. Does she? Yeah. And also, like, I wanted to add one more thing. I mean, I know this is the Hills Will Die on section, but I want to die on the hill that Z-Way our co-host is yeah. awesome. She made a song called Make It Clap for Democracy and it's on Spotify and it's she's so she's so fucking hilarious. And it's on Twitter and it's and very, it's very, Twitter. very, it's everywhere because she's, she's viral. Z-Way's viral. She's, she's a pop star. Yeah, she's our resident pop star. She's just just fantastic. OK, well, I think that's all the time we have to talk today. Alyssa, we'll be talking again very soon. Um, I'm feeling pretty happy about the blue wave but Alyssa you're entitled to your own feelings and Kieran you're entitled to your own you know perspective and and silent (laughs) meditation retreat in Uh Illinois but that's all the time we have for Hysteria today Alyssa and Kieran thank you so much for joining me thank you to Stephanie Shriak from Emily's List and we'll be back with more Hysteria next week